Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can, I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino. dot com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. Eighteen plus. Hey everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Seipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. How's everyone doing this week? Pretty good. Okay, okay. good, good. My back is killing me because all I've done for the last week is move and/or build furniture. It's a good, good time. Always fun. All right, so. Uh, promote extend trade this week. Not really a true promote extend trade as much as it's just kind of something poignant and relevant to right now, I guess.、Um, and doesn't really have anything to do with the minor leagues, but it's something that we need to talk about and address because don't really think we can't address it. <coughs> but、um, anyway, back on this day in 1783, over at Francis Tavern, George Washington. He resigns from his commission as commander in chief of the Continental Army, and he bid his officers farewell. And I guess we need to、uh, bid our commander in chief goodbye now too, huh?、Uh. <laughs> if if I、uh, I'm going to get more people criticizing me on Twitter for not actually liking the Mets. I mean, what Mets fan actually does like the Mets? Fair exactly.、Point. Honestly, um, look, I understand the fans that are very upset because Jacob Degrom was one of the best pitchers, not just in Mets history, but of all time at his peak. It's a really compelling story. He had some great moments. Um, and also Steve Cohen has more money than God and could have done whatever he wanted here, but. From the more sober side of things, this is a guy who hasn't stayed on the field, has been openly hostile with the team and the media for years. At this point, was apparently a pretty ardent anti-vax dude on top of everything, and signed a like ridiculous contract given the recent injury history. Like, all right, I,、yeah. I, I'm like oddly. Not particularly upset about any of this. I I think the thing that sucks the most is that it's very obvious he didn't want to come back. Like, <clears throat> and that just kind of sucks from a fan perspective. When 
a really good player doesn't want to play for your team. It's just kind of shitty. Like mm-hmm. the the vibes kind of suck for that because um like I think it's been reported a few times now. Buster only wrote about it today in ESPN. Like it was an ESPN Plus article and a few other people, but he didn't even give the Mets a chance to match it or top it. Like I think Buster only said that Epler found out like an hour before we did as a public. So what is he supposed to do with that? You know, he just didn't want he, he didn't want to come back. So what are you supposed to do? That's it. Kind of makes my peace with it a little easier because I'm, it's not LOL Mets saying. I guess it kind of is because they ruined the relationship. But at this point, it's just he chose to go to Texas instead. So good for him. Yeah, I mean the the Mets. Uh, my 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 cousin doesn't really follow baseball like too too much anymore, and he he texted me and he's like, "Well, damn." And I was talking with him about it, and it's like the Mets were really damned if they do and damned if they didn't here. Like there was really, regardless of what they did, it would have blown up in their face because that just happens with the Mets, you know. If they gave him this crazy contract, you know that he would have been injured a lot and. Ultimately, it would have been not a waste. That's not a good good terminology, but it wouldn't have paid off ultimately. No, I get I, I get you. Yeah, and, and if they let him go, well, I mean, it just sucks. Like morally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, you know, it just sucks. Yeah, it's two different sides of bad. Like the vibes are bad on two different ways. I've, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for instance, right, like this would be a lot worse if it was a guy like David Wright or even at the time when it happened, before all the off-field incidents, like when Jose Reyes left the Mets. Yeah, I was more upset about Reyes, I think. Right, and in, in hindsight, blah, blah, like that, that's not the point. We're not, I don't want him on yeah, the team anymore. Every but. single Every single person listening to this loved Jose Reyes in 2011. Exactly. Like, <laughs> we didn't and, know he, and he loved, it seemed like he loved the Mets, right? He was nominally I mean, very close does. to David sure. Wright. He still loves the Mets. He's, yeah, he, he very go clearly on, still does. They have he a, goes a very good relationship. They, you know, invite <laughs> him back for everything. And and he's on Instagram and his stories like, let's go Mets, watching the Mets game. Like, the dude's it's, a Mets fan now. It's funny, fair, like, looking... To be fair, they were the team that the only team that was willing to sign him um, when everything happened. So of course he loves the Mets. Well, yeah, well. <laughs> yes, uh, I I also like. Uh, I, I'm not trying to do this as like a post hoc thing, but I, at least I found Degrom's antics uh, antics is the wrong word, but I, I felt like his irritation with the front office wasn't completely warranted. Uh, at least from the surface level stuff. Like, I understand the Mets were really quite shitty behind the scenes, and I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we don't know. But we, everyone talks about the Sandy Alderson talking about his injury and him getting pissed about that. And we also drag the Mets constantly for not giving us clear information about injuries. So, I, I don't know. I, I understand See, that. I don't, I don't blame them for that. Yeah, I, do, I don't blame him for the animus towards the, the organization because... I mean, look at, with the exception of the last year, his tenure with the Mets has largely been a circus. <laughs> sure. I, I think that's, I think it's more like build up. And it's not, yeah. it's not to say the Rangers are in a better situation because they're not. It's not like he went to the Dodgers where there's some top flight organization. But I could also see the day to day of someone who doesn't seemingly really want to live in New York uh, per all the reports and everything that I could see how getting a five-year deal from Texas where you could just throw your fastball and then go home and like go to Sonic and then go home, you know, like, like, like there's no pressure. Like if, if, if he goes to get not no pressure, because I don't think he cares about it, but he didn't want to talk to the media. He used, there was that running, it, it, there was a time where he literally ran away from the media. I guess he was, he was joking, but also there's a level I, yeah. of truth to that stuff. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but that's like part of the job, man. Like, I agree. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with I, you. I agree, but also it's um, like the the Jacob Degrom <laughs> injury theater uh, isn't a, isn't a thing else in a, in a lot of other markets. The uh, no, he, if, the, if the Degrom gets hurt, speculation uh, every time he looks off for you know ten pitches. Like, if, the, if Degrom um, gets hurt in spring training in Texas, no one cares. <laughs> 
or no, at least you're, th- there isn't the same, you know, asking about it every possible opportunity and, and getting mm-hmm. your, you know. Same answer every time because there's no yeah. update. I mean, I'll go one step further. No matter what happens in Texas, no one will care because the team is bad. <laughs> yeah. Probably. They spent $400 million on middle infielders last year while having arguably a bottom five roster in baseball. And look, they still sucked. Their farm is trash. Yep. They're going to go spend $200 million on Jacob deGrom now, and they're still going to suck. He's going to be really good when he pitches, and he's going to miss a lot of time, and that'll be that. And we'll probably we'll, – there's a non-zero chance we never see him pitch again in person, like yeah. on SNY. There's just a non-zero chance it never happens. The Mets play this year, but there's no guarantee he's – play him this – the Rangers this year, but there's no guarantee. Well, though, isn't the schedule being balanced in such a way that they're going to play everybody? Yeah, yeah but – that's I think what you're saying, and your point stands because he could get injured. Uh, you know, given okay. his health history, there's a chance there's only like half a season left in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, in terms of extreme like, end. I mean, in terms of like if if in five years Pete Alonso leaves and goes to uh, I don't know some American League team, you're going to see him when you play him anyway. You'll see yeah, him three times. Right. Yeah, but you might need a first baseman around that time. Right. Please no. Oh, God, you, you can miss a pitcher even if he's healthy. Mm. If if he goes out and throws six scoreless, and then you win anyway, who really cares? You know what I mean? Like, hey, look at lot. look at the situation with Syndergaard this year. Exactly. Yeah, but you, we never you never really know, and I think my money I would probably have paid Degrom just because the 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 devil you know, and he is the best pitcher when he is pitching. So you could finagle a way to make sure that's in October but also if the Mets go out and sign Verlander this week and also sign someone else then is anyone gonna care in May when when Verlander's doing his making a run at an NL Cy Young instead of an AL Cy Young you know yeah this is that that's something I was thinking about when I you know I was saying like hmm like who's better like Verlander Rodon like who do you really want the whole the whole Building a super rotation is such like a, a not I don't want to say foreign concept, but it's such like a new thing. Like it feels almost new and old. It feels like yeah. shit like a 1970s team would do. But right. also, I mean, the pitching kind of gets undervalued. I mean, my pivot would be Trey Turner and convince him to play like second base. But I don't think the Mets are going to do that. And I think he's going to get a shortstop job. And right, gonna... it's like we're just completely underselling the fact that we still have. Max Scherzer, who, yep. issues aside, he's Max Scherzer, you know? He was still really good last year. I yeah. think the point is that you want at least two high-end starters for the playoffs. If you right? Because at... if you don't have Kevin Cash, Dave Roberts, uh, insert other good manager here, mm-hmm. your ability to manage... Let me put this another way. Buck Showalter is not going to manage a normally structured pitching staff well in the postseason. It's going to be a disaster, which we he saw. Also doesn't have, he also doesn't have the relievers to do that, even if he can. Nope. He just doesn't have, well, that's another it, issue. It, it, it's it's <laughs> like the, the, the Mets are going to – let's say that they send Verlander because that's what I think they're focusing on. You, we could debate Rodon and Verlander. That'll be a whole thing. But mm-hmm. just for the sake of slimming it down, if they send Verlander and Scherzer – you could say, hey, two of these games are seven innings, no runs, because you have two aces, and you don't have to worry about the bullpen, because you have a setup man who'll probably be fine, and then Edwin Diaz, and then you win. You have to figure out the rest of it, but the Rays don't have to figure out the rest of it, because they have a million relievers that are really good. The Mets just aren't there yet, and they're going to have to win in a different way, and I think that's why they're focusing on two aces, just because if they get a bunch of tie-ons, and I don't know where Sendo falls, he's a weird one, but uh, like a bassinet and a tie-on and then someone else, then you still have to, sometimes you're going to have to figure out bullpen usage in a way that the Mets just don't have the arms. <laughs> we do not want to figure that out. No. Yeah, Senga's an interesting one. I don't know where he's going to sign. Uh, I have no no strong you're opinions on it. Um, mm-hmm. I just feel like it would be fun. Like, yeah, I had a I, I've I been think, yelling um, at the Mets to get back. Like, I think we've all been yelling at the Mets to get back yeah. in the Pacific market for years now, and they just don't. I, I think, like, uh, the fastball splitter combo is such an effective combo um, anywhere, really. 
I mean, yeah. look at Tanaka. I could, yeah, I could yeah. see him being like a really good, um, like a really, really good reliever if, if like worst case scenario. Oh yeah, and I think that's fine. I, I don't think he's for yeah. Yeah. I think like, his fastball shape sucks, though, which is potentially a problem. But again, uh, there, I've seen people I respect say good things and bad things about Sanka, so I'm not gonna sit here and pretend to know <laughs> which way it's gonna end up. He's risky, but he has the highest upside outside of Rodon and Verlander. Yep. Yeah, there's a chance you get like a third ace there. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a chance he sucks because he, he you never know. Yeah, and I, I think mm. that combo, that two pitch mix, would play very well in the bullpen if he sucks. Like mm-hmm. full attrition rate. Uh, I don't, I don't think that the ceiling or the the floor is that low. Yeah, I'm not saying the floor is like he's DFA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has other things he could do, but the Mets need a starter, so I think that's. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised if they go a different route, but yeah. Yeah. Well, since it is relevant to both the 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 ground discussion. And minor league baseball, um, since the Mets did give him a qualifying offer and he rejected it and he signed elsewhere, the Mets are going to be getting uh, a selection in the 2023 draft. They're going to make a pick in the competition round that takes place in the fourth round because, uh, you know, they didn't have any um, they didn't receive any. Uh, what's the word? They exceeded the salary cap mm-hmm. and they did not receive any. Oh, of the distributed funds yeah, for the yes. low small yeah, market sharing. things. There's a term for yep. this. Revenue sharing? Revenue sharing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So they'll be making the compensation pick in the fourth round, after the fourth round. So that puts it somewhere between like 125 to 150 or so. Uh, the last time a team had a pick like that was in the 2021 draft. The Astros, they got a compensation pick for losing George Springer to the Blue Jays. But they didn't receive revenue sharing, and they were over the luxury tax, so they got that fourth-round pick. After fourth-round pick, I should say. And they selected uh, Chasey McDermott, who's a right-hander from Ball State University. He was the 132nd pick overall. And now he is a mid-level prospect in the Orioles system. He was part of the Trey Mancini trade. So there's some value you know, <laughs> in players in that range. I went back to see, you know, a couple of drafts, uh, some of the players that selected in that 125 to 150 round uh, uh, pick range or so. A uh, couple of solid guys, Paul DeYoung, Austin Gomber, Cody Bellinger, Isaiah Kainer, Falefa, Nick Pavetta, Jonah Heim, Steve Nokert, Mike Clevenger, a couple of, you know, solid guys. It's just more kicks at the can, which they need. Yeah. Obviously, oh, good. We uh, can get another DeAndre Smith. Yeah, no, <laughs> no Degroms. Basically, in the last 20 years, the best, the three best guys to have been picked in that range are Corey Kluber, D. Strange Gordon, and James Paxton. So you do have a couple. Of of, <laughs> yeah, you do have a couple of perennial all stars, and obviously, you know, Paxton was never able to stay healthy, but he had that potential to be a, a kind of perennial all star guy. So. There is there is a chance that the the Mets do get somebody decent in compensation for losing. Hey, I, I don't I don't know I don't really care about looking back at that stuff because right every draft get, is different and 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 just get the get the picks and yeah if nothing else it's more pool money to manipulate yeah it, it, mm-hmm. th- there's other ways you could do that and it's if a guy is okay then it's another trade thing if the guy's good then you found a guy in the fourth round it's fine just if you're gonna lose a guy you might as well get something for it. Yep. Did you mention Griff McGarry in there, Steve? I did not. Griff McGarry was taken 145th overall by the Phillies in 2021. Now that is That's a good name. A real good outcome. So was Christian Encarnacio Strand uh, yep. in that There's same draft, outcomes, yeah. and he was just traded for uh, Molly Tyler Molly. Yep, they're definitely solid prospect i mean obviously like a prospect value is different from a player value there's definitely Mm -hmm. guys that have high prospect value and then there are also plenty of guys that have then developed into players with high uh, baseball player value and speaking of players with high value since the last time we overcorded together the mets have made a couple of minor league signings and they are a plus (laughs) <laughs> uh, right before Thanksgiving, they signed a pair of former Oriole pitchers. They signed right-handed pitcher Danny Reyes and left-handed pitcher Zach 
Mucklehern, which is a great left-handed name. Imagine if they still had Nick Zwack. We could have Nick Zwack and Zach Muckleherm together. But unfortunately, they traded Zwack. But Muckleherm has no major league experience. Danny Reyes, he made his major league debut last year through a couple of negligible innings. Um, and then in addition to those two guys, they also signed another Orioles-affiliated pitcher this past Friday, Jimmy Yacobanis. And yes. he has a bit more experience than those other two guys because he is a bit older. And he has a cumulative 6.03 ERA in 118 innings over the last five seasons from 2017 to the present, which is a slightly below average 78 ERA+. plus. So Reyes and Muckelhern probably triple-A depth and not much more. Yacobanis, I'm sure he's primarily going to pitch for Syracuse, but I could also see him getting... Maybe not considerable major league time, but a lot more than those other two guys. He gives me first guy up out of Syracuse vibes, unless Orsi is good. Orsi, I So, I mean... I mean, you need these guys. Yeah, depth signing, but you need depth. Uh, You just need people to, like, play in Syracuse, too. (laughs) (laughs) That, too. Like, it's not just... It's not just depth for the major league team, like... There's no upper minors pitching, like we talk about all the time. So you're going to have to do a bunch of this stuff, which is fine. Because maybe one of these guys figures it out. The last time the Mets had a team in upstate New York with with terrible, terrible pitching, they revolted to the point that, you know, they got exiled to Las Vegas. (laughs) Even though the Mets literally own this team, you know, we can't can't have uprisings. They don't own the city. Hmm. I've never been to Syracuse. I might go next. I don't know. I feel like there's not much to see, but it would be uh, not a day trip, but like a kind of over an overnight, yeah, like a weekend thing. I don't know. We'll see. But so I guess this makes Syracuse better, but the bar is pretty low, so. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right. So. The Rule 5 draft is going to be taking place this upcoming Wednesday at the at the end of the winter meetings, which is going to be, I think it starts tonight because we're recording on Sunday. I think it starts tonight or Monday morning. I don't know. But either way, the next couple of days is when the actual winter meetings will be taking place. As of right now, the Mets 40-man roster stands at 33. So here's hoping the next couple of days between when our show is released on Monday morning and Wednesday when... The Rule 5 draft takes place. They sign Verlander and Rodon and Nimmo and Judge, <laughs> and, and they just fill up the rest of the 40-man roster with those guys. But probably not happening. So they theoretically might make a signing, possibly a trade, whatever, but they do have plenty of roster space, and they're very likely to go into Wednesday with at least one of those roster spots open. I don't think they're going to be adding you know, seven guys between um, – in the next three days. So they will be able to make a pick in the rule five draft. As we discussed a couple of weeks ago, they had the opportunity to add some players to protect them and they did not. And Jake Mangum and Daniel Nunez are the most likely guys to get picked. But, but let's be clear, the likelihood of them actually getting picked is pretty slim because there are, Quite a few more interesting arms and bats and gloves 
out there that are available. But there is a non-zero chance that they get picked, so you know, we have to have to mention it. So if you were Billy Epler, who are some of the guys that are most intriguing that have been left left exposed by their individual teams and maybe you'd uh pick? Because there's there's a ton of guys. I mean there's a ton of guys every year, but uh one guy that comes to mind for me is Corey Jolks. He's in the Astro system. Um <clears throat> he's pretty interesting because he he like didn't hit any home runs at all before this year. He um according to this baseball America article, he hit 17 home runs and 1,243 plate appearances. But then the Astros sent him to developmental. And then when he came back, he ended up hitting 43 home runs and 815 appearances in AAA. So just buying kind of early on that power spike could be interesting. And if he sucks, you just send him back. Who cares? But like, there's obviously some type of fundamental change he made. And it's would be interesting to see if he could make that, if that stuck. Because mm-hmm. if it's stuck, then it's a whole new ball game for him. And uh, he plays an outfielder. He's played center field. He's also played in the corner. So not saying to start, obviously, but the Mets currently have two outfielders on their roster. And right now, if it, the fourth one would be anyone, it would be Jake Mangum in the system. So I think this person has more upside than that. So that's why I would look at someone like him. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could say that any possible Rule 5 guy that's available would be higher up the chain than a guy than like Mangum because you don't have to, you know, Mangum's not on the 40 man or anything. So you don't need to start his, his clock, you know, immediately you can give any one of these guys that they might like a shot before him and not have to worry. Yeah. And if it goes bad and Mangum is playing really well, then you just, right. Exactly. The guy to his original team and call it Mangum and you're no worse for wear. You just hit that reverse card. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that same vein, and this is actually my second preferred name, but I'll stick with the theme of outfielders. Uh, I think Cameron Misner would be an interesting pickup. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, like you can, t- we can talk a lot about friend like of the pod. <laughs> friend. Of, yeah. No. Uh, we can talk a lot about like which profiles work for Rule Five or which Rule Five profiles make sense to roster. Um, but a lot of times it's going to be the defensive reserves with speed off yeah. the bench types. And that's basically what Misner is, right? Misner has hit well in the minors, but he also strikes out approximately 3 billion times. Uh, he struck out 30% of the time last year in double a, uh, almost certainly can't use, can't hit lefties, but he's, uh, he's going to be the best defensive outfielder on most, most rosters. Um, steals a ton of bases, uh, yeah, stole 32 bases last year, and has some upside beyond that, right? Like most of these guys never figure out how to make enough contact, but some of them do. And as Thomas just said, we have no outfield depth in this system. So if you're going to roster a Travis Jankowski type, right, someone you have for defense and speed, why not have it be a semi-real prospect who has a little bit of upside beyond what Travis Jankowski is, um, even if it never works out. Um, plus, I think it always makes sense, like, in this, in the Rule 5 context, you go pick the pocket of the best team, like the best teams that have excess talent, the Dodgers, the Rays, the Cardinals to an extent, right? Like, you go grab their surplus because they had the best surplus. Astros kind of fit into that role, too. I think they're a tier below them, but... Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I think they're I think their farms headed for a bit of a crash. Like they're gonna hit like have some, some of the, to, the yeah. impact of losing all those draft picks is gonna start to be felt, but over the last few years, yeah, they absolutely belong in that conversation. One Astros <laughs> outfielder that is available is our old friend Ross Adolf. Ross Adolf, I saw that. That's so funny. <laughs> Can we get JD Davis and Luis Santana back and just bring the whole band back together here? <laughs> It'll be great. It's 2019 all over again. Aye. 2019 was a good year, I think. I think objectively the Mets still came out ahead in that trade, despite oh, yeah, all sure. the frustrations <laughs> with J.D. Davis. I also remain convinced that J.D. Davis is a semi-useful piece, and the Mets just never figured out how to actualize him, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, shocker. <laughs> the Mets failing to maximize talent? Never. 
I have more if we want more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like like we were discussing before the podcast. I have no one. I have nothing. So. <laughs> no. So the top name I think the Mets should be looking at here is Eric Miller. Um, Eric Miller is a left-handed reliever in the Philly system, and I know everyone's going to be saying you want to grab a reliever that the Phillies aren't rostering. What kind of drugs are you on? And you're correct. Um, <laughs> but I think there's some some serious uh, potential utility here. Like he's basically a major league ready uh, uh, lefty reliever. You'd ideally want him to be an up and down guy, and he can't be that if he is a rule of five pick. But the Mets have almost no uh, lefty relief options in the upper minors, right? It's Josh Walker, who they left off the 40 man, and is that literally it? Unless you count David Peterson in the relief conversation. And Joey Lucchese. Oh, right. I forgot Joey Lucchese. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But, but the point is, we're, scrape, we're really scraping for, for lefty names. Um, Miller throws pretty hard. He's posted pretty gaudy strikeout ratios or strikeout rates at every level. Um, walked too many guys in his first tape, taste of AAA last year, but it was only a 10 inning sample and his walk rates are uh, uh, not catastrophic uh, before that. Um, and this is another profile that usually works well in Rule 5, right? You you, you can cram a defensive-minded bench bat, and you can cram a, a useful reliever, right? So if, if they wanted to take a swing on Eric Miller as the second lefty out of the pen, uh, I think that can <laughs> make sense as well. Should not be the first lefty. That That's a bad idea. No, 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 no. Well, I mean, at this point, I guess he would. <laughs> he, he'd, be, he'd be it by default. They would have to go at someone else. Um, but... Uh, uh, like if if you're again, I think it's the same argument with with the Travis Jankowski the, 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 the Travis Jankowski type, right? If you're gonna roster someone like, oh, give me generic lefty reliever. Uh, if you're gonna roster Joely Rodriguez, why not roster a younger semi-prospecty Joely Rodriguez who might be better? Oh, I love Joely Rodriguez. I did like Joe. <laughs> I thought Joely would be better, but uh, I was wrong. So. I'll Wasn't there a team? I'm trying to remember. It's like on the tip of my tongue, but I'm just drawing a blank. Like not a bad team, but like an actual playoff caliber team that they just did not roster a left-hander in their bullpen like a few years ago. Uh, I mean, I, I guess it probably happens often, but I don't know why it's sticking out in my head. It sounds vaguely familiar. I have no memory of this. McKinley yeah. Moore is also kind of in that same boat too. He's also a Philly. <laughs> But um, he's righty though. But just kind of a hard thrower has a good secondary pitch, and a two pitch combination gets a lot of whiffs. I don't think that's a starter, but I think you could hide him in your bullpen. And because the Mets just don't have anyone right now, as we've talked about a million times. We're in the we need bodies phase of the offseason. <laughs> yeah, for real. And <laughs> like, even if even if these guys never make it to your roster in March, you know, like it's it's okay to just fill out the roster a little bit with a rule five guy and be like, Oh, well maybe if he pops in spring training, then we just keep him around anyway. And then we could return him. Like you could kind of, you could kind of, you just need guys who could be in a major league pen right now. And they should start looking if they're not going to look at an outfield in the rule five, they could look at some arms because there's always a lot of them. And there's always right. a lot of, I don't want to say that they're all similar, but every team except the select few are like pumping out, 95 and slider guys so you could uh-huh. find one in the rule of five draft and if they're good they're good and if they're not then well okay it's mm-hmm. better than what it's better than calling up i don't know <laughs> who else adonis medina exactly Juan lopez exactly mm. like like that's what the mets were doing last year and they won 100 games and not saying that they would have won 105 if they didn't do that but there's ways to optimize the bullpen, and you could kind of do that in the Rule 5 if you find someone that Listen, you think. All, all they needed to do is win one more game. And having You're right, though. a slightly I better mean, reliever at any point in the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are we like say all the time. Like, you make moves around the margin, and individually, they don't really seem to matter much, but things like that add up. There's, there's an alternate reality where Adonis Medina doesn't come into that game the Mets were losing 3-2 in the ninth and give up like eight runs or whatever he did <laughs> and and someone better comes in and they hold them and then they win that game they walk it off and then 
they win 102 games and win the division. You know, like I want to live in that reality, man. Like, yeah, like, 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 like we're getting very into the weeds and thinking about this way too deeply, I think. But also, the Mets have their their number two reliever in the bullpen right now is Drew Smith, and their number three is um how oh, the guy they got from Miami whose name I can't remember. Eliezer uh, Hernandez. Burdick. Not even right him. Oh. Eliezer's the in the rotation one. currently. Yeah, like, <laughs> he's, uh, Brigham, Jeff he's, Brigham, he's, right? Yes, yes. Like, and he's an interesting guy, and that's the type of guy that they should be going after because he has kind of he has his things that people like about him. Like, he has some behind the scenes stuff, I think. Mm-hmm. But like these guys, plenty of these guys probably have that. Like, the Mets have a bit better access to these numbers than I. But a few of these guys in AAA are going to be good relievers. And they're being left exposed because every team has a million of them. And the Mets are not there yet, so they need to just take from other people until they get there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> One guy that kind of sticks out that seems pretty interesting to me, just quickly skimming over like the numbers and a little blurb about him, is a right-handed pitcher from the Blue Jays, Adrian Hernandez, who is mm-hmm. very much not in the mold of players that are, like you said before, are available in the draft who are kind of relievers, 95 and slider. Hernandez is 90, 89 to 91, tops out at, woo, 93, doesn't really have a slider. You know, his curveball is kind of fringy, but he has a plus-plus change, which is very different. That's always fun. And, and of course, I will love the uh, auto-tagging problems that will cause between Adrian Hernandez, the former Mets prospect, and Adrian oh, Hernandez, now oh. the right-handed pitcher of the Blue Jays. We love that stuff. Well, chorus hasn't chorus's player tag function hasn't worked in uh, five years at this point. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it's so it's so Alex Ramirez, and it's just like nah, not dealing with that. But it it it's so funny scrolling through these names, and all these relievers are like almost the same. Yeah, I mean, the <laughs> like there's the, differences obviously, but. Just by by just by the rules of like what rule five draft is, you know, like you can't you have to keep the guy on the roster for the whole year. So you're going to want a guy that you can kind of minimize the high leverage situations that they're going to be in initially because you don't know if you could trust them or not. So the easiest place is going to be either a kind of bullpen or a pitcher that would thrive in a bullpen uh, backup, you know, a catcher who's good defensively or an outfielder that's good defensively and has kind of other tools that could impact the game. And so that's yeah. why, you know, you'll, it's going to be always those three kinds of guys. Yeah, like um, if you find a starter in the Rule 5 draft, like a for real starter, then you hit the goddamn jackpot, you know? Mm-hmm. If you're going to keep a guy on your roster for the entirety of the season as the Rule 5 pick, it's probably going to be in some type of solid but unspectacular depth role and then you figure it out from there which is fine like if the Mets find a backup infielder who can play a bunch of positions or a the last righty in your bullpen that is semi-reliable and can do some things but isn't like setting up Edwin Diaz and who cares because you got it for you 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 got it for free and you have there's a lot of team control that comes with all this, and there's a lot of other stuff that comes along with it, too. Sorry, sorry, Thomas. It's not for free. It's $100,000. You can't expect uh-huh. a major league team to, to pay that massive <laughs> amount of money. Like, that's just unrealistic. Seriously. Mm. I'm trying to remember. Sean Gilmorton, did he really pitch in any kind of any high, not high leverage situations, but I feel like he did get come up in some pretty important of course. He yes, was a pretty regular part of that bullpen. Of 2021. That's yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> uh, we love interaction. That's actually that's actually a good comp, though. Like, if you can find a Sean Gilmartin and, and your Rule of Five, then you're chilling. Yeah. How long was he what on was the team? That? For another, like, year after that? Yeah, 2015. He threw 57 innings. Yeah, he was quite good that year they took him in Rule 5, and then he's never been good again. He was on the team for another uh, two years? Yeah. Yeah. He's got a 267 ER. He had a 267 ERA that year. 275 FIP if you want to FIP post. He had a .8 F war in his first season that 2015 year, and then burned all of that F war in his subsequent five seasons with other teams. He's just been awful. But also, I even getting one year is great. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if if he threw one successful inning, you're kind of coming out ahead of a with row five, you know, select pick anyway. Now there is there is one more name I want to talk about. He's a bit of a personal cheese ball. Ooh. He was a pick for me last year, and then the row five got canceled. And I think Thomas also noticed him this year. Mm-hmm. I did. That would be Ryan Noda. As anyone who's listened to this pod for like more than a couple months is probably aware, I'm a sucker for OBP types. Uh, Ryan Noda is very much that. He's the first baseman for the Dodgers currently. Uh, he walked 16% of the time last year in, tri- in AAA after walking 16% of the time in AA the year before. Um, now look, he strikes out too much. His power is, shall we say, limited. Um but he's a, and he's probably also a long side platoon bat. You probably don't want him facing too many lefties. But I, of all the guys here, he's the one I'm most convinced would actually be an average or better regular. Um, unfortunately, he's a first base outfield type, right? He'll be really, really good at first base, probably. But the Mets are already rostering Pete Alonso and Daniel Vogelbach. It doesn't mean that you can't put more. Yeah. I, and- I think you just got to be creative with your bench if you do this. I think I would take the risk or at least take roll the dice. Like I, I'm a big enough fan of Noda that I would see, like pay the hundred thousand dollars, see what happens in, in spring training or whatever and go from there. Um, and if you have to cut him or whatever, at some point, who cares? You, you even get $50,000 from returning him to the Dodgers. So, the dude, the dude's really good, I think. Yeah. And I, I think it's one of those things where <clears throat> the Mets could just use bats off the bench, even if it's not the best fit in the world. And if you find a Chad Pinder type or something like that to counterbalance the lack of bench flexibility you have with him, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And the Mets also did... They, the Mets also need a uh, well discussions about how desperately they need to re-sign Brandon Nimmo aside. Um, they were basically soft platooning Mark Canna last year, right? Where mm-hmm. he wouldn't. He, they gave him a lot of rest. He wouldn't see the toughest righties. I don't. I, I've not watched like I've not watched enough of Noda's defense in the outfield to say whether that would be a freaking disaster or not. Uh, but he certainly can play the outfielder outfield better than Daniel Vogelbach, and the Mets have no uh, outfield options on the roster right now. So if, and if I, I know he's I not can, a righty, but Darren Ruff too. Like, but yeah, you know. look, I'd rather roster Ryan Noda than Darren Ruff. Full mm. stop. <laughs> Sorry, and so, like I know, I know you just overpaid and made a god awful trade for Darren Ruff. Don't continue to dig that hole deeper. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree. And he's the type of guy that I think has upside to be actually good. And if the if he hits the upside, then who you'll figure out the fit, you know? Mm-hmm. But if he doesn't hit the upside, then again, like we said a million times, talk about Roll 5 guys, who cares? You didn't, you, you didn't sacrifice much of anything to see. It stupefies me that there are guys like this every year that bad teams don't take. Like yeah, like why why aren't the pirates taking this guy? Because it costs a hundred thousand dollars. No, well, they're paying Carlos Santana six million. I mean, they should play. They should do both. Oh, or the the Reds. Like I love I love Joey Votto. Joey Votto is one of my favorite non-Mets. He's also probably cooked. Yeah, there's plenty of teams who could find uses for these guys, especially if they're like just look at the Dodgers and the like. Like you said, look at the really good teams and see what they have to leave off because it's almost certainly better than what you have anyway. And tell me the Red Sox are happy with their first base DH combo of Bobby Dahlbeck and uh, question marks like. Exactly. Let's see, looking over at Baseball America has a very long, good list of guys that are, you know, potential picks from uh, that are going to be available in the draft. Every year, every year I do a little bit of Rule <laughs> Five digging, and I'm like, "Yes, I found some guys." And then inevitably, all the B the BA guys who do fantastic work and are 
like actual professionals, unlike my dumbass, all pull up better reports on the same guys. I'm like, well, I haven't had an original thought since 2011. Then I would say, isn't that a good sign? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, probably. that the people who actually <laughs> who like do this for a living are like, yes, this person is interesting, and you're like, see, mm-hmm. I was right. Andrew, no, 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 none of them ever get picked or stick, so it doesn't actually. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just the nature of the rule five. But. True. Andrew Schultz is a kind of interesting guy. I saw him some some time last year with the um, blue claws, and I didn't realize he throws this hard. You know, he throws basically almost 100. He's a you know 95 in a slider guy. He has a really funky delivery though, and I didn't really like it. Kind of seeing the name and then reading, I was like, oh yeah, that guy. I saw him throwing like batting practice. I mean, um, in the bullpen would be interesting pick. Um. What was his name? Blake Sabol was our old friend Stephen Sabol's brother. No, really? A, yeah. Know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a catcher. He was, he, I thought that'd be an interesting for for a roster fit if the Mets didn't already seem dangerously close to rostering three catchers this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I looked at him too, and I was like, uh, let's add a fourth catcher to this mix, baby. If they get if they get rid of McCann, which I sincerely yeah, I hope they do. Hell yeah, bring in Sable. That'd be a fun one. And he plays the outfield, too. I don't know how good, but it says that he plays the outfield, so. <laughs> I think he did it a decent amount, like, in the minors. So yeah. it has to be good enough where he's credibly out there. They wouldn't do that if he can't. Right, right. No right. team would. Let's see who else here. Every year, every, like I said, though, every year we go through this process, I'm like, so many of these guys are at least interesting, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're, I, I understand baseball is a problem with being, with too many non-competitive teams and more teams should spend. But I do think if in a functioning system, there are also points where teams should nuke it. Now, too many teams are doing that, but I think there is a point where that's necessary. I just wish they more. That's necessary would, in every sport, too. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like. It, it happens too much, but it should happen sometimes. I wish those teams would do something and be like, okay, our team's trash. We have nothing in the upper minors. We're going to draft like six Rule 5 guys and just see what the hell sticks. That'd be fun, yeah. It'd be I fun as hell. Yeah. I mean, hey, if you're going to be a bad in, team anyway. OOTP a lot. <clears throat> but I'm trying to fill my roster with a bad – and I have a bad team. I'm trying to, like, tank. I'll just take high potential uh, players and see if they really suck. I just return them. Josh Brew is another catcher. He's in the Yankees system. I saw him a bit last year. He hits a lot of home runs. And there's a bunch of former first round picks mm-hmm. that are unprotected. And I mean, you know, I mean, obviously they are unprotected for a reason, but they still have name value. You know, Ethan Hankins, Nick Schnell. Ethan Hunter, Hankins is an interesting one. Hunter Bishop. Ethan Hankins. That's an interesting one too. Yeah. Hankins, how, Ken, how would you keep Hankins on a roster all season? Yeah, that's the point. Uh, it depends on how much you think he's going to play next year. Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> what if, if you think you can make what it if, till like September? <laughs> what um, if you take a guy and then knowingly know that he's hurt and just put him on the 60-day? No, you can. You don't have, yeah, you don't yeah, have to that, that's what him. I mean. That would be what you would do here. Yeah. Uh, now the problem is if he's healthy enough to return at some point, you have to roster him from then on. But that's true. you also that's you don't get around this the next year, right? You'd still have to meet the rostering requirements in the next. Uh, I should know this better. I used to, and I've not paid attention. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. That's I, an interesting. Question, honestly, though. he's a guy you'd take, um, and uh, you know, intake medicals will will tell you if you're going to return him immediately or not. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> You could you could probably know fairly quickly if we're looking at a uh, you know an entire season project here or yeah yeah there's interesting names Cody Hose remember him oh yeah oh, wow. <laughs> one of the yes. Dodgers' few failed picks yep so Some yeah Logan Logan Davidson. One of the A's many failed picks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one felt bad as soon as they did it, too. Yep. I was they like, no. that was a mistake. <laughs> hey, everyone makes them. 
So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to put numbers down on it or anything like that, but odds are they're not going to be making any picks because it just seems like people, you know, teams rarely do. Now, the minor league portion, which we kind of just completely skipped and glossed over, I'm sure that they will because there's a lot fewer rules and that kind of goes a, a lot. There's a lot more wheeling and dealing in that. I mean, the, the Mets made a few picks with that last year and the year before. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of those guys. I don't know some of those guys, but I mean, they're always there's always people coming and going in the minor league portion. Um... Um, second guy in the Chris Bassett trade, uh, whose name I'm failing to remember. The only guy I could remember off the top of my head was Drew Ferguson that was not involved in that, but was acquired. I'm pretty sure he was acquired in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft. Like, oh my god, who was, years the, ago? who was the guy Adam, that traded for Adam Aller? Yeah, wasn't oh, he yeah. a minor, minor league Rule 5 pick? Yeah, yeah, he was, he was. From the Giants, if I recall correctly? Something like that. Let's see. I don't know if it was there. Adam Aller. I don't know why I couldn't remember the name Adam Aller. It's a very simple name. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pittsburgh, and then the Giants, yeah, from the Giants. Although, technically, he was in the... He was he. I think he he resigned with them. He was in the Indies and then he resigned with the team. And then uh, because nobody played in 2020, then the Mets picked and that's how it went down. Or vice versa, he was in the Indies and then he signed with the Giants. That's probably makes more sense. But yeah, he was he was a, a pick, and I mean he didn't have too too much success in the major leagues. But the fact that he was involved in it. It was a, a piece that was used in a trade and then actually through 70, almost 75 innings at the major league level has to be considered a major success, regardless of, of, of the fact that it was, you know, a 630 ERA. Negative 1.1 war. Oh, oh, dear. He was, not, he was not good, but he is better than the majority of minor, minor league rule five picks. That right. I mean, made. the fact that he just he sniffed the major leagues at all is, you know, sure. is, is, is a great outcome. Like, if we're talking about it in an existential level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, next week, I guess next week, maybe the week after, but we'll definitely, there'll definitely be some new names in the uh, system that we'll go over. And hopefully it's, you know, a new name at the major league level who will provide value, and not just a guy at the minor league level. Mm -hmm. Or guys, plural. All right. If anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us your uh, send us an email at our email address from compass at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I am at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at KenLavin91. And Thomas is at SadMetSeasonSZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. Rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. And believe it or not, next week is going to be episode 200, which is pretty crazy. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.